Welcome back to the Strategy Show. We are here today with Lukas Zenk, Assistant Professor at the Danube University in Krems. He's researching the field of innovation and networks and also consults for companies. He's also the co-founder of the improv group Quintessence and we're glad to have you here today. Welcome, Lukas. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. Lukas, are you ready for some rapid-fire questions? Oh, yes. Okay, let's start. What are you currently working on? What are you currently manufacturing? Um, what I like creating is to uh, combine um, science, business and arts. And that's a big challenge because there are so different aspects and areas uh, that you can use for innovation and network research, for example. So in particularly, um, I um, look at creativity and innovation. Um, how does this emerge? Um, especially between people, so how do you co-create uh, innovation and how can you use um, improvisation theater or jazz to understand and to enhance um, your collaboration. Where do you get your inspiration from? Um, from these different fields, so um, sometimes um, scientific publications um, are inspiring uh, to me because uh, they they put an emphasis on empirical studies or theories mm -hmm. uh, that you can apply for business context. And then if I go uh, in a business context, uh, for example, uh, while uh, consulting or studying uh, organizations, there during interviews and observations, um, I do understand some particular things better than I, I had before. And then if I um, act on the stage uh, in improv theater, um, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> innovation and inspiration for all these different uh, kinds. So I think inspiration to me means that I, I'm in one area mm -hmm. and try to understand it from a different perspective. And that is always inspiring to combine these different mm -hmm. perspectives. And what do you stand for or also what do you not stand for? I think I do not stand for um, traditions that are there just because they are there. Um, so um, some people say it's a path dependency. So you do something just because you did it before. And this is not what I'm standing for. Um, I'm more interested uh, in changing things, um, not just because of change, but because sometimes it's more appropriate uh, to think it uh, from a new perspective or to, to change something that um, your life is uh, becoming easier mm -hmm. uh, in the best way or your business processes are leaner than before. So I think I, I, I always um, challenge myself and others uh, to think differently and to act differently and to, to set goals and situations um, that helps you and others. Mm -hmm. Where did you challenge yourself recently? Um, in different <laughs> areas. <laughs> so one of my um, last longer challenge was to uh, meditate, uh, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. So I had my challenge. I wanted to, to meditate for 1000 days in a row, mm -hmm. like every day. Yeah. And so I said, how can I do that? Because I do not want to get up early. Um, I do not have a lot of time and I've got a kid. So how can you do that? And I thought that it's really helpful um, for me and, and others um, if I'm more relaxed or, or stable uh, emotionally, hopefully. And so that was a challenge that I really wanted to achieve. That was this one part. Yeah. And I think another part is uh, to to combine these different 
areas again and again. So every time when I think like, I think I understood something, then I try to switch my perspective and see what if mm -hmm. I would try to understand it as um, an actor or as um, a, an executive or a researcher. What would change if you see now the problem or the solution that you have from this different angle? Mm -hmm. Is there some problem where you find this is my most productive problem right now? This is something that drives me or this is something that really inspires me as a, as a problem? Mm. Many. Because I think that problems are useful to understand. Because sometimes people say like, uh, we just want to create new solutions. We need more ideas and so on. But that is not the real beginning of solutions. First, you have to understand what the problem is. So what is one of my uh, problems is exactly using these combination. For example, um, I like the methods of Lego series play. Um, so you use Lego bricks to create new strategies uh, with executives. And the challenge is to explain managers that they have to <laughs> play with Lego. Yeah. And they say, come on, we're not childish. Yeah. And what my answer is like, yes, exactly. This is what, what Google, for example, says. Uh, don't be childish, but try to have a childlike mind. And so you use methods to to playfully understand complex problems and challenges. So whenever you, you combine things, it's hard for the other person to understand why you should do something different than normally. But I think this is exactly where the solution lies in. Because if you try something new, then something new can occur. Mm -hmm. And when a client, for example, uh, decides to work with you, um, what does he actually get? What does he, uh, what do you manufacture for your clients? I think uh, my first approach is always to connect to people. So I really try to understand uh, the other person or the other organization and tries to understand what is normal there. What is their culture? Uh, what are their problems? Uh, what kind of solutions do they already have? And use these resources in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And when I think, okay, I, I think I understand some parts of that, then I start switching. And then I challenge the person to go out of the comfort zone saying, okay, now, so this is one way. What about that? And what about this? And did you think about that? And if you look behind the scenes, then I think it's the challenge and, and uh, the ping pong play in a way to say, what about that? Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess that um, people get, hopefully, new inspirations um, and uh, being inspired to innovate in a very different way. Mm -hmm. So you bring challenges, irritations, maybe innovation to your clients. This is what I try. <laughs> but not only challenges, but also the, the understanding. So I think um, it is not enough to just challenge or to do something arbitrary mm -hmm, yeah. um, and say and see like let's see what happens mm -hmm. um, so i think uh, you need these both things uh, on the one hand side the connection and the understanding of the things that already are established mm -hmm. and then to say what else can you do mm -hmm. and the, um, posing the questions like what if mm -hmm. what would happen if 
And this, I think, can inspire people and organizations. Mm -hmm. So do you go with a little concept beforehand to your clients? Uh, do you have a plan uh, in mind, a path forward? I always have a plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the best, <laughs> but I always uh, try to have a, a very clear plan and a structure mm -hmm. how I think we could proceed. Mm -hmm. And um, as long as um, this is helpful, I go with the plan and with my assumptions. Mm -hmm. But whenever I understand, well, that was a plan, <laughs> that was a vision, or perhaps a hallucination, <laughs> from my <laughs> point of view, then I adapt my mm -hmm. plan. Yeah. So I start with a clear decision or an approach, mm -hmm. and I would say, I would go that way. And if the, the organization or the, the person say, well, no, mm -hmm. then I say, okay, what else? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would say, I would go here. And they would say, no, we have to go like that. And then we, we start mm -hmm. creating the new plan. Mm -hmm. So it's always having a plan and being spontaneous to adapt to circumstances uh, that are um, necessary mm -hmm. uh, in a consulting yeah. um, area, for example. That's my favorite quote from Mike Tyson is um, everybody's got a plan until I punch him in the face. Um, exactly. <laughs> so you're trying to be open, to be adaptable, you try to improvise uh, with your client. Yeah, so I think the concept of improvisation is uh, a very strong one mm -hmm. to me. So uh, improvisation does not for me mean just to be spontaneous mm -hmm. and it does not mean to just stick to the plan. It's exactly combining these two concepts of structure and chaos or to have, to have plans and being spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And if you combine that um, in the way that uh, you adapt in the situation and having plans, mm -hmm. then I think you're really dancing uh, on, mm -hmm. on this uh, edge of mm -hmm. innovation. Do you practice dancing? Um, being open, what helps you um, being in this sort of movement uh, in your mind? Um, for me, improvisation is um, a, an essential part uh, of my life uh, in research, in business and my, in my, during my daily routine. So I practice around once a week um, having um, our ensemble um, mm -hmm. for improvisation. And in there, we always challenge our minds. Um, so going in new situations, um, understanding new characters and being on stage and improvising. And improvising is um, a challenge and a collaborative, uh, creative um, performance. So it is challenging in one way, but really satisfying in the other way because you're creating something out of nothing mm -hmm. and suddenly you say like, how did that happen? <laughs> how, how could we do that? How could mm -hmm. we think about that? Yeah. But it's here. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is a great training, um, not only being on stage, but uh, to, to train your minds to adapt on, on new circumstances, because that is the challenge we have, I think, in our fast paced society. You sound like an athlete exercising it, and yeah. I, I think that uh, improvisation like improvisational theater or, or jazz um, is like sports, um, but it's uh, a creativity sport mm -hmm. if you want, or yeah. an agile sport uh, because you really train your mind. Mm -hmm. You cannot just do that. Mm -hmm. um, it's like 
if you think um, you go to a piano and play anything. Mm. You can do that, but <laughs> it won't be the best piece of music uh, that you uh, could have mm -hmm. done. So if you train music, sports, improvisation, business, whatsoever, I think this is the first step. And then having a knowledge um, and a training, then you can improvise. Mm. So it's not that you just do anything, but that you perform um, on the top of your intelligence mm. uh, or training. So based on your knowledge and your training, then you can adapt to situation mm. and not the other way around. Always compared to um, playing or exercising the scales, let's say on the piano, on the flute, because it's really tiring and sometimes boring uh, to exercise your, your scales up and down. But if you've got the scales pinned down, you can actually improvise, yeah? you can actually play jazz. But that would be the, the wrong way of training. So if you train just like in a bored way mm -hmm. and, and you yeah. just do something, mm -hmm. then you do not learn as much as if you challenge you. Mm -hmm. um, like Chichen Mihai said, yeah. you have to be in the flow, you have to challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. And people who are really good in, in these kind of trainings, they always challenge mm -hmm. them trying something new that they're not bored mm -hmm. like michael phelps um, the swimmer <laughs> yeah. he, he trains a lot mm -hmm. but he's not bored he, he tries always to be a bit more in that way a bit more in mm -hmm. that in that way and then you're in this active flow of mm -hmm. mind so it's kind of you're setting stretch goals goals you can somehow achieve but i think uh, I would imagine this is kind of difficult to set goals that are not too far away mm. and that you can actually reach and are not too easy, so something in between. Yes, um, so I sometimes have the metaphor of uh, playing frisbee. Mm -hmm. So you can think of that if we play frisbee and I um, uh, shoot the frisbee exactly to you, mm -hmm. after some minutes you're bored. <laughs> But if I take the frisbee and throw it somewhere else, yeah. You're frustrated because <laughs> you can't catch frisbee there. Yeah. But if I throw a frisbee exactly there, a little bit out of your mm -hmm. comfort zone, and you have to stretch that you can get the frisbee, mm -hmm. but it's hard, mm -hmm. and you get that, but not always, mm -hmm. then this is exactly the metaphor for, for reaching goals that are realistic, mm -hmm. but ambitious. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I think how you, um, you can challenge yourself in a beneficial way. So who, who throws your frisbees for you? Many people. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I could think of these different areas. Like in research, um, I, I often uh, have the challenge with other researchers mm -hmm. saying like, oh, let's try to publish in this journal or let's try this kind of method. And it's like, okay, that's, that's different. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how it exactly happened or how we can do that. And that's exactly this, this frisbee mm -hmm. uh, that I got. Um, or in arts, uh, we always challenge ourselves. So we try every two weeks something new, some new aspects saying, okay, this is what we can do. What, what little other thing could we include here? And at business, there's always the frisbee coming from the company. Like, <laughs> so here's the problem. <laughs> and Sometimes uh, you catch the frisbee, mm -hmm. sometimes you say, well, we can do it a bit more. And mm -hmm. sometimes you say, well, um, I think that this is a problem that you cannot just, you know, um, you know, solve in the next month. Mm -hmm. You need some more months or years. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what's your favorite problem? Something that set you up for later success in your life? Um, I think one of the big problems are these combinations. So sometimes I combine like uh, science and business and I think that's great. I mean, that's really uh, a new approach and it helps. And oftentimes um, I have the problem that I, I use scientific methods in a business context and they have no clue what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> or I understand something in a business context and say, oh, we can use that in research. Mm -hmm. And then I found out, well, you can't do this kind of research uh, in here. So one of my problems, uh, for example, are in the sphere of agility, resilience mm -hmm. and improvisation. So many organizations um, have to transform to be more agile or more resilient. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how can you do that? Because theoretically, um, you can understand it, you know, some parts of that. But in practice, it looks very different. And sometimes in some companies, um, it um, seems to be easy to include or implement some methods, for example. But then from a theoretical point of view, it's really complex to understand this um, complex socio-technical uh, system okay. that we're uh, trying to understand. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example you could share with us? So um, we were working with um, a, an organization that is uh, very hierarchical. And they said, we want to, um, to foster our uh, informal knowledge uh, exchange. So how can you do that? And my first approach was, well, it's easy because <laughs> just look behind the scenes, <laughs> behind the organizational chart. And I explain you about social network analysis mm -hmm. and how the mechanics uh, works and who, who talks to whom. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's, you know, from a, from a bird's eye view, it's, I thought, easy to understand. Mm -hmm. But then we went to the organization and there were like uh, thousands of people mm -hmm. <laughs> with a clear structure and that, well, that's a, that's a big structural change if mm -hmm. we just use another uh, web-based tool mm -hmm. or a different approach here. So we cannot just change that. Mm -hmm. um, we really have to think for a long run for the next five years, how we can achieve little um, tasks mm -hmm to solve a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned um, social network analysis. Um, maybe some of our listeners or viewers don't know what it is. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? So social network analysis um, means that we um, look at the interaction between people. Mm -hmm. So how do they collaborate? How do they um, share ideas? Who communicates with whom? which organization collaborates with which other organizations. So we look at relationships and ties between actors. And actors can be people, teams, departments, organizations, or even countries. So the whole range. Mm -hmm. And we use methods that can analyze and explain that. So for example, oftentimes managers think of their organizational chart. So they know the structure and who's responsible uh, for whom. Mm -hmm. But if you look behind this organizational chart, you see that people interact very differently with each other. There are informal leaders, there are some opinion leaders, there are some in the periphery, there are some clusters here and some clusters there. And if you understand the network, how people collaborate, 
then you better understand how works really gets done, um, some people say. So you're looking at the organizational reality. Uh, one part of, of the, the organizational reality, reality yeah. um, meaning that we look how people really mm -hmm. interact and not how they should interact. Mm -hmm. And there's a gap. There's a gap and there's also, I think, is sometimes companies and also managers are really hesitant to look at this part of reality because it's mostly hidden. And you try to bring it to the light. You try to visualize or um, create knowledge about this kind of networks. Are sometimes do you feel resistance from the companies? So networks um, are in one way um, um, an understanding of power. Mm -hmm. And so some organizations do not want to understand <laughs> this kind of, of interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, some people don't want to show who works uh, with whom. So there are many aspects that you have to think of before you just analyze mm -hmm. a network. First of all, it's always the question, what is the problem or what is the challenge mm -hmm. uh, that you have? And then trying to understand what could help um, for this mm -hmm. specific problem. And sometimes um, doing a network analysis helps to understand who communicates with whom. But before we do that, we always include the stakeholders um, of different departments and asking what exactly can and should we ask for. So some people say it's interesting to see um, who energizes home. Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, it's interesting who inspires home. Sometimes it's interesting um, how these different functions collaborate with each other. So we have to, to clarify that and then we analyze and there are different methods how mm -hmm. to analyze uh, that and um, to get a glimpse of this network. Mm -hmm. And then we don't just show the network, but uh, we use that as one approach to better understand how the company works. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like an X-ray of the company. Exactly. So um, having an X-ray of a company is often used as a metaphor. Mm -hmm because you see things that you normally don't see on the surface. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the picture of an x-ray, mm -hmm. because if you just have an x-ray... You don't know what you're looking at. You have no clue what it means. <laughs> so if I would have an x-ray of, of, of my body, mm -hmm. it would be like, oh, that, that, that looks interesting, yeah. perhaps, or awful. <laughs> But I can't do anything with that mm -hmm. if I'm not um, an expert in that. So you need um, the person and the doctor or you need the company and uh, the consultant or researcher to make sense mm -hmm. what is going on yeah. in this x-ray. Um, and this is exactly what uh, consulting or research uh, could be for. Mm -hmm. So you're the radiologist in this picture. Sometimes I'm the radiologist, exactly. And, and I see this picture mm -hmm. and then I say, oh, I do not understand what is here. Mm -hmm. And then I ask the patient <laughs> or the manager <laughs> or the organization, like, yeah. um, what's, going well, on? what's going on here? So, so I see there is something yeah. and I have some theories mm -hmm. uh, on that. But what do you say? Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes people say, oh, yeah, that's George. You know, it's a new employee mm -hmm. and whatsoever. Yeah. And then it makes sense. So we, we try to understand it from these different perspectives mm -hmm. and we need each other mm -hmm. to make sense of a very complex problem like um, how to collaborate. Mm -hmm. This must be really interesting if you uh, think about organizational change. Um, 
where I as a consultant go in and have no clue what's going on. Yeah? Uh, I have to do some analysis, maybe some stakeholder analysis. But this seems like it could really help me understand the organization from right from the start and really see where my actions are actually needed, where interventions actually are needed. And if I go a step further, I could imagine that we can also um, analyze what our interventions in the organization, what effects they actually have. So you can evaluate my own uh, interventions in the company. Yeah, so I think you can use uh, social network analysis um, to think of interventions, so what is needed, mm -hmm. and you can evaluate them. Mm -hmm. So if you say, for example, there's a merger and you have two different companies saying now they're merged, um, it's very easy to, to change or adapt the organizational chart. But do now people really collaborate um, with these different cultures or mm -hmm. do they not collaborate mm -hmm. with each other? So you can evaluate that and really see if, if there was a change uh, or not. And you can uh, think of um, a, a change team. So for example, if you say you want to change an organization, you can't just go to everyone. <laughs> you need some, as you said, stakeholder mm. that are uh, involved in the process. But who, who do you choose? Mm. Um, and based on network analysis, you can say, well, these people are interesting mm -hmm. because they are the influencers, mm -hmm. they are the opinion makers. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can really identify relevant stakeholders and assume that if they change and if they bring their knowledge into the process, mm -hmm. then it has an effect on, mm -hmm. on a larger part of the organization. So we kind of bring, with this methodology, it seems like we bring more evidence base uh, into the whole change process. Yes, yeah, so, so you can you can use evidence and um, see what really changed mm -hmm. from a network perspective, and you see behind the scene mm -hmm. uh, and see what is going on behind the surface. Mm -hmm. And here is the linkage between networks mm -hmm. and improvisation, because <laughs> <laughs> because um, you have a planned organizational chart. Mm -hmm or you have a planned script, like in theater. But if you have a look behind that, you see what's going on mm -hmm. if something like self-organization or emergent happens. You see the process of innovation, you see the process of collaboration. And in improvisational theater and in social network analysis, we're really exactly there where the the, the, the social melting pot happens. Mm -hmm. You see how people create or not create uh, something. And so one of the founder of social network analysis and improv theater is Jacob Moreno. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yes. And I think it, it has a meaning why he had, mm -hmm. he was the first who, who wrote a book about yeah. improv theater. And he was one of the first who created sociograms <laughs> because I think it's because of, uh, it's all about the relations mm -hmm. between people. And if you're interested in that, mm -hmm. I think that you will be interested in networks and in improvisation. Mm -hmm. um, what's actually different now, we have digital tools, we write emails. I mean, when this whole thing started, sociographs were based on, let's say, analog communication or self-evidence. Um, 
Is there something that changed through this digital transformation in terms of network analysis? So yes, <laughs> there are a lot of things uh, that changed mm -hmm. and some things didn't change. For example, um, at MIT, the, uh, there was a guy called Alan and um, he analyzed the communication between people in organizations. Mm -hmm. And what he found out in the 70s, that the more distant people are uh, physically, the less they communicate with each other. And he called it Allen curve. It goes like that. Mm -hmm. So the closer people are, the more they talk to, to each other. And the farther away they are, or perhaps in a different building, the less communication happens. So then 30 or 40 years later, they said, well, now we have all these digital mm -hmm. tools and emails and WhatsApp and Snapchat and whatever. <laughs> so now it should change because mm -hmm. you can talk to anyone yeah. everywhere in the world in the world and so they analyzed it again from MIT um, it was Weber uh, who used uh, electronic devices mm. to understand I can who, Weber. Yeah. this this yeah. social devices yeah. so that you can measure who communicates with whom mm -hmm. and what they found out uh, in a recent article some years ago was the Allen curve <laughs> <laughs> so although mm. there are all these yeah. digital media mm -hmm. um, some social um, mechanisms um, or ideas still uh, occur in organizations. So this is that there are some similarities mm -hmm. and there will be similarities for the next decades, mm -hmm. presumably. And there are things that change completely, like the possibility of interacting with other people who are not uh, physical proxemes so close to each mm -hmm. other, um, are possibilities that help a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you think on networks, if you know that people do not talk to each other so much if they're not close by, well, then you can use tools. Mm -hmm. And in organization, what we see is if you implement appropriate tools that people really want to use mm -hmm. and there's the need to use them, then they really help um, to, to connect although they're not close by, they're in different buildings, in different location, or even different countries. Yeah. So that helps a lot in principle. In principle, okay. But just using a tool and put it in there and say, now it will happen, now everything will work, that will not happen. The magic wand. Uh, yeah, but it's really interesting what you, um, what you tell us about the Allen curve, because when we go into companies right now, they all want agility and agile teams and innovation teams. And we always tell them, just sit the people together in one room. Yeah? Have them one room on one floor, because we want this osmosis, this communication osmosis. The communication can flow freely between those people. Don't just sit in there and there and think about, okay, they're going to be agile. They just have to go into meetings and be more agile. It doesn't work. Mm. They have to be in, in close proximity. Yeah. yeah. So agility is a big topic. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people think that if they just use any of these methods, like design thinking, mm. um, business model canvas, effectuation, whatsoever, <laughs> that this um, will um, help for the, the whole organization. Mm. I think that these methods are really interesting to use and, and really helpful. And that you also need the mindset mm, to yeah. use these agile mm. methods. So it's not only the method, it's also what, what's your mindset, what's mm. your culture, 
and how can you drain this culture mm -hmm. and so this is again what i call improvisation mm -hmm. because this is exactly <laughs> what you need for that if you have uh, sprints mm -hmm. then you have to adapt on new situation you have to radically collaborate with other people mm -hmm. and just using method is not enough just mm -hmm. using a tool is not enough you need the whole picture mm. uh, that hopefully it helps mm. so the mindset is the basis for all the methodologies i think so i think that just using a method or a tool is not enough but just having the mindset is also not <laughs> enough. enough i think you yeah. really need the different parts mm. of the whole picture and if 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 you um, understand which, which parts parts and with which puzzle pieces are needed for that then you can um, slowly step by step um, change a whole organization and where do you start or where do you see your starting point is it more on the mindset uh, side of the game or more on the methodology combine those two where do you start with your work um, I usually start on trying to understand the organization this is what I meant in the beginning I tried to connect mm -hmm. I want to understand how did they do what they did that they still survive as an organization? What is the great thing about them? So I start um, in, in improv, we would say we start positively. We say, wow, great. Wh mm -hmm. What did you achieve? Mm -hmm. that, that's the basic. Yeah. And now what's the problem? What's the challenge that you have? And people say that um, in interviews um, or in stakeholder groups. They start, yeah, I know this is good and this is good, but. <laughs> And in some uh, organizations, it's, it's um, the mindset saying, ah, well, you know, we are used to do this like that because we always did that like that. So, okay, perhaps there's uh, something for the mindset. Mm -hmm. I say, well, we just don't have any technological support. We, we can't do that. We just write emails or using our telephone. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> there are some parts you can, you can do. Or they say, we have just no clue how to, to proceed. Mm -hmm. Well, perhaps we can, you, can, you can start thinking about methods. So I think it's, it's always starting with one and having in mind that the others are relevant too. Mm -hmm. What did you change your mind about recently and why? Many things. <laughs> <laughs> Choose the most important one. <laughs> um, so, for example, um, I thought that resilience... Um, Agility and improvisations are very different concepts. Mm. I thought like, okay, so this is resilience and this is agility and this is improvisation and they have all the areas uh, in which um, you can use them. But then I, I started reading and, and, and start talking to, to all the managers and um, they use different words. So hardly no one use these words that I use. Mm -hmm. But what they say is something that, that combines these different uh, methodology or theories. So we have to adapt faster or we, we need um, um, shorter cycles, business cycles, or there's uh, such a, a fast pace. How can we deal with that? Or big companies have to change that they say, well, there are these startups. They're so much faster. What can we do that we compete? So I think what I changed from myself is to to combine the essence what is behind the words so it's not about resilience it's not about agility it's not about improvisation it's about the way how we work and how to collaborate and i think this is the essence no matter what kind of word 
uh, you use. Mm -hmm. And so I try to to think uh, and act upon these essential um, processes mm -hmm. in a way. Okay. What inspired you recently? Uh, do you have some books that inspired you, movies or something that gave you inspiration for your work or your private life as well? <laughs> no. um, so I think right now I've got three main books on my desk. Okay. Um, one is um, Improvisation and Organization. So there's a, a, a bigger book about different topics um, that deals with improvisation organizations. And then there are two other books. Uh, one is uh, from Mark Runko. It's about creativity. It's a big book. <laughs> and he showed um, evidence-based what creativity is or is not, because people always think they know what creativity is. But there's a lot of research that you, you, can, you can use to understand it. And the third book is uh, from Keith Sawyers, and it's uh, called Explaining Creativity. And so there are many aspects that, that, that I can combine. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're just, again, different words like creativity, uh, organization or improvisation. But behind these concepts, there are the main questions uh, like how can we collaborate mm -hmm. uh, to achieve things that we want to achieve? Mm -hmm. And this is one inspiration uh, that I have. Uh, can you explain to me what creativity is in one or two sentences? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, John Cleese once had a, um, a speech mm -hmm. and he said, um, it's very easy to talk about creativity. About mm -hmm. Talking about creativity is very easy. You can just use some studies and some definitions and so on. But that's not it. It's about being creative. Mm -hmm or to create or even co-create something. Mm -hmm. So having said that, <laughs> I would say creativity is um, creating or co-creating something that is interesting not only for you, but uh, for the society as a whole. And we have to figure out as a society what it is that is really essential and necessary um, for us. Mm -hmm. What's essential for you, uh, for being creative? What helps you? Um, so what I really like is the concept of uh, emergence. So what I mean by that is that I just try out things without knowing what exactly I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And while doing, trying to understand what I did. For example, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I often start writing anything. So I just open up Word and, and see what happens. And I write something. And after a while, I like, oh yeah, now I understand what I thought could be interesting. Or if I uh, play piano, um, I'm not really good in playing pieces that some other people wrote. Mm -hmm. I'm better or I feel more comfortable or it's, it's more interesting for me, inspiring, that I just start with anything. So I just, you know, start doing anything. And after a while, sometimes <laughs> there's some kind of melody that occurs. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm inspired by just doing anything and then trying to explain why this is happening mm -hmm. and how I can use that um, for different parts of my uh, daily life mm -hmm. or business. What's your biggest fear and how do you dance with your biggest fear? 
I think one of my fear is that um, these kind of combinations just don't work. Mm -hmm. So I was striving to have analogies like I, I understand a pattern here and I use it here and the fears I was like, it doesn't work. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Or I go to a company and say, hey, this is, I think, what you're looking for. And they say, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, no. Or I, I come from a company and say, oh, this is interesting for research. And other researchers say, nah, that's just different. So I think the, one of the fears like that it just doesn't fit together. Mm -hmm. And it helps uh, also to understand, no, it just is very different. You can't connect it. How can I cope with this fear? Um, I tried out. So I try to do things that are not really essential for my life. So I do not try to have the big thing, yeah. but I try little things. Mm -hmm. So in one week I try this combination and the next I try this. Mm -hmm. So I go always like a sprint, step by step, trying things. And if I understand like, oh, this doesn't work, I go more right, more left, more down, more up, more in the other direction. <laughs> So it's always an iterative approach and that helps me to make failure um, without being killed <laughs> um, from the concept. Mm -hmm. So failing fast is one word uh, in Lean Startup yeah. Yeah. that you try your prototypes or little things and if you fail, well, that's a week. <laughs> um, but if it worked out, then I try another thing and another thing and another thing and always searching for people, topics, organization that inspires me and to build on that. Is there a question that I forgot to ask you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Then, thanks for being here. And you are a dear listeners. Um, you will find all the resources that we mentioned in the show notes or on strategysprints.com. If you want to help others find the show, leave a comment or rating on iTunes or just share us on your social networks. Hope to see you next time.